We gon' start this shit off right We got badass bitches in the house tonight We gon' start this shit off right We got some badass bitches in the house tonight We gon' start this shit off right We got some badass bitches in the house tonight We gon' start this shit off right We got some badass bitches in the house tonight We got some badass bitches, badass bitches Bitches outside, them some sad ass bitches Let go, let go, let go, let go Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, we got some bad ass bitches, bad ass bitches, bitches outside, there's some sad ass bitches. Let go, let go, yeah, let go, yeah, 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 Ashanti. United, whoever you are, wherever and whenever you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. I'm Disa, as ever with Yazzie, and we're just a blur couple, navigating our way through all these geek fandoms and uniting them for your consumption. Look, we got a great show for you here today. We've got, as ever, on the review show, uh, the Retro Review. Um, we are going to get into the news in just a little bit, but uh, first I want to start with this. When I was in college, I had a friend, and as you do, I suppose, and he got into a massive, massive argument with his girlfriend one time. You know, it was, it was, it was one of those uh, quote-unquote typical girlfriend uh, arguments that you have every now and then with your significant other. She was talking about how she felt ignored. She felt like he didn't care. She felt like, and uh, she felt like, you know, that, that, that he wasn't there for her. And she acted out, you know, she, she was screaming in public. She was, she, it, was, it was one of those like really explosive in the middle of public places. Not the best look. It really wasn't the best look for her. She, she, she really acted out. Other people were looking on like, Christ, she's losing it, isn't she? Yikes. I, you know, like, I remember even telling my girlfriend at the time that, guys, I'm glad you're not like that, right? And, 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 and then, you know what she told me? She told me exactly why she acted that way. You know, she told me exactly why she acted that way. She said, the reason she's acting that way is because your friend always goes out without her. He's always going to this, see that friend or that other friend or hang out with that person, goes to the library alone, you know, or goes to the movies alone every now and then, you know, and doesn't even tell her he's doing that. She finds out afterwards. You know, he, he says he cares, but then he's, there's always rumors about him cheating on her, you know, and she didn't even bring any of that stuff up. There's always rumors about him doing other things with other people. He, she had a really bad scare. You know, she, she, was, she was nearly in an accident. She was really freaking out about it one time. He didn't, he didn't take her concern seriously. That was a real thing, you know? She said what, and she told him a bunch of times, like, I would really like to go to movies with you. Why didn't you ever tell me about these movies that you want to go to? And he's like, I didn't think you'd like it. 
she said uh, you know you should tell me when you're going out you know i might want to go out with you or just i want to know that you're okay i don't want to find out the morning after that you went out last night i i, I stay worried because you're not answering your phone i don't know what's going on you're not saying anything to me i get worried because i care about you you know it, it was it was a build-up that led to the acting out that's what i gathered from it and so i took it took all that information in and I, it gave me a whole different perspective on the argument. She wasn't arguing with him about the, the most recent thing he did where he just went away. He, he, I think he went to, a, to, get a, to get a kebab or something, you know, late at night it was one of those things. He just he felt hungry and just went away. He, and he came back and his defense was, I was just hungry. So I did what I needed to do to get hooked, to get fed, because that's what I needed. That's what I wanted at the time. You know, I, I don't think I should consult you when I'm going to go eat. And she's like, it's not about you consulting me about when you go eat. It's about, what she didn't say was it's about all those other things that led to this. This was just like the cherry on top. This was the final little straw that broke the camel's back. This got me thinking recently. I, I, I just thought about this recently because I keep hearing about toxic fandom. Always, 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 I keep hearing about toxic fandom. I keep hearing fans are acting out, acting crazy. You know, the Rick and Morty fans with the, with the, with the ketchup, sorry, sorry, the Szechuan sauce. Yeah, you know, they acted out. You just said that we want Szechuan sauce. What the fuck, man? Like, you're supposed to give a Szechuan goddamn sauce. You owe us Szechuan sauce, you know? I, I hear about that. I, I hear about people complaining on Twitter to the actors, to the studios, you know, to the people who are in charge. Like, you guys, you're screwing us. We want this. You know, you guys did a terrible job on that. Here's the thing. Now, I'm not, I'm not excusing all of these, all these people on Twitter and other social medias who are going off on the actors. And you know, sometimes it gets to be a, too, a bit too much. The, the acting out. It's a bit too much. You're making a scene. It's not a good look for you. It's not, it's not morally good. You know that. Those fans are acting like that girlfriend. The girlfriend of my friend. That's what they're acting out like. But why are they acting out that way? Why is it now toxic? Why is it now bad? It's because for years, years, for most of the 80s, 90s, 2000s, fans never got what they wanted. Movies, studios never gave fans what they wanted. The fans would try and tell them. They would write letters back in the old days, snail mail, actual pieces of paper. You young people might not understand this, but once upon a time, we used to write on actual pieces of paper, put them into another piece of paper that was enclosed with glue, put a little stamp on the back of it, and then put that in a box in the street. And then somebody would pick it up and deliver it to wherever you sent it, you wanted it to go. It's crazy, right? That's the way it actually worked. But that's what would happen. Fans would just write in and tell them what they think the show should look like, the show, the movie, the, tell them this is what we want for, for this. And they'd get all of this information and you know, very usually speaking, fans are kind of consistent with one another. They, they're all kind of in agreement about what they want. And then they act out. They act out when they don't get it. You know, and it's because today we have a more entitled 
mentality because we we're, we're more connected than we've ever been and now we we're, we're no longer in the dark you know it, when i was in school when i was in primary school or, or elementary as you americans call it when i was in elementary i didn't have any way of knowing that some guy in korea or sydney australia felt exactly the same way i did i had no way of talking to that guy in australia and say, and finding out actually I'm not alone in this. I thought I was alone when I wanted the, 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 this movie or something to happen and it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen or it, or it didn't happen at all. I thought I was alone, but now I'm not alone anymore. I know that other people feel the same way I do and I write it. I tell the fans, I tell the studios, whether it's a gaming studio or a TV studio or a film studio, I tell them, this is what I want. And then when I don't get it, for years, for years I don't get it. I get mad. And you know what? I'm not inclined to act out in this manner, but I get it. I'm not excusing it. It's unacceptable when you're threatening and gi giving death threats to studio executives and, and actors and actresses. That's unacceptable. It's, it's, it's rubbish. You gotta stop doing that. But I get where it's coming from. That's what I'm getting at over here. I get where it's coming from. The anger. Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because I'm mad at Blizzard. My most recent bit of ire is at Blizzard. We've been wanting Blizzard to do a new Diablo game for years. We've been wanting a new Warcraft game for years. We've been saying we want Warcraft 4. For years we've been saying this. We've been saying we want a new Diablo game. Please give us a new Diablo game. You know what they did? They made two announcements. They said, yo, there's Diablo news coming out at BlizzCon. Diablo news. It's gonna be Warcraft news. You know what they did? You know what they did? Okay, I'll tell you what they did. They announced a new Diablo game. I clicked on that link immediately. I was like, oh my God, a new Diablo game. This is only, so, oh my God, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? I'm freaking out over here. New Diablo, I gotta get this game. I'm gonna cop it. This is gonna be like my RPG du jour, you know? I'm a big D&D &D guy. I, 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 so Diablo is a massive game for me. I click on the link. Yes, Diablo, but it's for mobile. What the fuck am I gonna do with a mobile game? I don't want Diablo on my on my, on my Samsung. How am I gonna do with Diablo on my Samsung? I don't want it on my phone. I don't want to play a Diablo game like in the bank. I want to play Diablo like like 60 hours in my room, locked in, alone, just figuring out. East dungeon and figure out which walls are hidden and all that stuff, moving this wall away and doing this, that, and the other. That's what I want to do. They announced a Warcraft, Warcraft announcement. It's just another add-on to the, their best-selling World of Warcraft MMORPG. Christ, and they, and they also announced like a, a, a remastering of Warcraft 3. Remastering? Remastering? Don't give me that old shit. <coughs> Pardon me. Don't give me that old shit. Give me a new game. Give me Warcraft goddamn 4. And if you're going to remaster, why even go into 3 immediately? Remaster 1. Give it modern graphics and whatever. Give it the Warcraft 4 treatment. You know, do that. Announce like, yeah, we're going to release a Warcraft 1, 2, and then we're going to do a remastering of 3, and then we're going to release a Warcraft 4 for next Christmas. That's, what I, that's the announcement that I wanted to freaking find out. 
So yeah, I'm getting angry right now, Blizzard. I'm really angry. I'm, 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 I'm nearly there. I understand the ire of fans. And they, they, they came out with a statement saying, we were surprised like, with the level of anger. We thought we'd get backlash, but like we didn't expect it to be like this. Of course you didn't expect it. Well, how, that's a, how, wait, no, how could you not expect it? We've been telling you for years what we want. You're not listening to us. Now we're that girlfriend in the street shouting at you looking like crazy people. That's what we are. That's what you made us look like because you haven't cared about our feelings. You haven't listened to what we're saying. You haven't taken out, taken any of the advice on board. Now we look crazy in the street and people, our friends, are looking at us like typing away furiously in our offices and homes and saying, dude, calm down, man. You're, you're, you're looking like a crazy person. Yeah, I'm acting like a crazy person because I'm not getting what I want from the thing that I love, the people who invented the thing that I love. Give us what we want. We're not crazy people. We're just regular fans who, have, who, who want, know what we want and we keep telling you what we want, something that we're going to buy that's gonna make you lots of money. We want to give you money, just like that girl wanted to give her boyfriend love. That's what she wanted. She wanted to give them him love. We want to give you our money. We want to throw money at you and keep spending money on you because we believe in you, your product, and your ideas. But you're not giving us what we want. You're going off to the movies alone. You're not ignoring our phone calls. That's what you're doing, Blizzard. That's what you're doing, movie industry. You're creating a toxic environment. You're participating in the toxic environment, to clarify. You're not blameless in this. And this has just got me mad. Anyway, that's enough for me. Let's get into the news. I don't have to tell you, obviously, that Star Wars is a franchise that's in a little bit of uh, hot water. Not, not really hot water, but they are in a little bit of trouble. They're in a spot of bother. Um, they haven't, the movies haven't been performing that well. Solo was kind of like, you know, it, it didn't make any money. It was, it, was, it, was not a, it wasn't a loss technically, but it was a loss. They kind of lost money on Star Wars. Um, the movie itself raked in just a little bit over what it uh, was, the, the inflated budget that it got. And Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy have come out and apologized. They took the heat on it and said, look, we, we, we made a little bit of an error with the way we were saturating the market. They, again, they didn't listen to what we were saying. But um, it was a bit of just, just some cross signals about what, what they wanted to do. So they're... They're looking at episode nine coming out next year, December, directed by J.J. Abrams as a bit of a course correction. I'm glad they're looking at that as a course correction. I've always stated that I think Star Wars is the World Cup. Star Wars is the Olympics. It is a, what we don't want Star Wars to become is the Diamond League. We don't want Star Wars to become the Champions League. We don't want it to become the regular season. We, we, we don't want it to be, to be the Super Bowl. I love the Super Bowl. I love the Champions League. I love, you know, you know, the Diamond League. I love all of these sporting events. But the thing about them is they're not very special because they're, they're happening all the time. And Star Wars has never occurred to me as something that should be happening all the time. It's something that's special. It is an event. It is like the Olympics. It is like the World Cup. It is something that should be special in the place, hearts and minds of people. We should be, by the time it comes out, we should be frothing at the mouth for it. We should all be saying, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I need Star Wars. Star Wars, where? That's what we want from Star Wars and the Star Wars franchise. 
it needs to be special. And I think that it is a good idea for them to chill on the movies for a little bit. I'm, I'm, I haven't given up on the solo projects. Not so. Solo is a project I gave up on. I don't think that's a good project. Don't, don't do a Lando Calrissian movie. Don't do a sequel to the solo movie. Um, but do give us that Obi-Wan Kenobi movie while it is out. Because, yeah, we, we, we want that. We, we really want that Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. And that's the movie you should have made instead of Solo. I'm just saying. But yeah, Star Wars, they're doing a bit of a course correction over there. And I like it. J.J. Abrams has a bit of pressure on his shoulders in order to make that movie work. Because we all know the last movie was trash. Like, say what you want. You know, there's a lot of excuses being made for it, but that last movie by Ryan Johnson, I had high hopes for it. I really went in there thinking that this is gonna be a great movie, but I left with more questions than answers, and I left with a sour taste in my mouth. I personally did not enjoy the ending of the movie. I thought that it was just blah. It was a very Dark Knight Rises sort of ending where I was just like, yeah, everyone can be, no, not everyone can be Batman. Not everyone can be a rebel. The reason why, you know, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and Leia were so special is because they, they were special. They were, they were special. They weren't just anybody. They were, they had abilities, particular skills to defeat the Empire. And you need those, you need regular people, of course, but you, the leaders of the revolution must be special people. And I didn't like the, the ending of that last movie. And I thought that, yeah, it needed work. I hated the, the lightsaber fights. I think that every single lightsaber fight in the prequels beat every single lightsaber fights we've seen. The worst lightsaber fight in the prequels is better than the best lightsaber fight in, the, in these sequels so far, in my opinion. But that's just me. Maybe. It's just me. I don't know. There was something I came across that I was like, how did I not know about this and why haven't I been going? So this past weekend, Saturday and Sunday, um, being the, what, the 26th and 27th, I think it was, to be exact, somewhere along there, <clears throat> there was Girl Geek Con. And as a newly found geek girl, blurred girl, thanks to my blurred relationship, I was like, okay, why had I never heard of this before? And I, like, this is, this is a, obviously a um, Comic-Con convention that dedicates themselves to being a celebration of female geeks and recognizing and uplifting contributors, um, contributors from women and, and minorities of that have made their 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 love for science fiction comics literature and all that stuff and any other blurred or geeky stuff known and this is dedicated just for them and i was like okay this is something i would love to do it's held in seattle and if i had known i would have made plans somehow in some way to have gone so i'm thinking that this is definitely something that i need to do next year i need to plan it out properly and make sure i go next year 
it's it's one of the few cons that they're mostly like a bunch of kids and family adults and stuff and it seems that it's highly inclusive of all geekdoms so me and my limited geekness would really fit in there and I'm, I, I need a place like that where I can be weird and not look at like okay what's wrong with you because as much as geek and nerd and weird is cool now there's a limit to how much people will take from that and I have my moments where I am so bizarre that I I need to hide my bizarre sometimes I know you know I shouldn't be feeling that way and whatnot but they are those moments it's sad and I'm happy so happy that there is a space for someone like me who enjoys lots of things that some people may not even consider to be part of the world but from what I read about this it fits me perfectly it's exactly what I need and I am making a vow to you guys that in the next two years because I can't promise next year right now but in the next two years I will have gone to Geek Girl Con in Seattle yeah that's definitely something I want to do so we're doing this bad boys thing huh yeah, that's a real thing. Bad Boys 3 was just announced by Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. Um, yep, they're doing Bad Boys 3. Uh, we've, been, we've been told that um, from, from Wikipedia that it's going to be called uh, Bad Boys for Life. I'm not sure if it's going to be called Bad Boys for Life in the finished title. I would like the idea of, you know, they said Bad Boys 2. Let's give us Bad Boys, just call it Bad Boys 3. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, I know naming conventions now is all about, like, Bad boys, give it a give it a new title. Don't call it something. Don't don't give us the one two three thing anymore. But uh, you know they want to give us bad boys for life or whatever. Just just give us the goddamn title. Just give us three. It, it's, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but anyway, getting back to it, Bad Boys Three was announced by Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. This obviously follows on the footsteps of Bad Boys 2. Now, I'm a little confused about this. I don't know why people want this so bad or why people are so excited about this. The, the response has been huge um, for, for the movie, but I don't get it necessarily because, look, Bad Boys 2 sucked. It made a moderate profit. Moderate profit. You know, when I'm saying moderate profit, it's like $20 million profit. Um, it basically doubled its money on the initial budget, but as we know, you gotta kind of double. If, if you made a movie for 100 million, it's kind of kind of gotta gross 200 million in order for you to break even as a studio, and it just barely did that. I think it brought in the budget was like 125, and it brought in 273-ish in that zone. Um, so about a 20 million or plus 
dollar profit that's not really enough to justify a third one which is why i think there was such a wait between bad boys two and three um we did hear though that um la's finest earlier this year is coming out so is this part of is this the next stage in building a bad boys franchise of, of really expanding the universe not not just as just as a bad boys franchise because it is a franchise one two three right makes it a franchise but is this the start of a bad boys universe as it were we all know that martin lawrence could use a check um will smith has not had the greatest time at the box office of late um i still think of him as a superstar but like let's be honest he hasn't been he hasn't been killing it at the box office like he was about you know 10 years ago uh, you know, Rotten Bad Boys 2 got a 23 on Rotten Tomatoes, which kind of started the trend of Will Smith movies, Will Smith not being bankable any longer. You know, he used to be a guy who just, no, he's, he's going to make us shit tons of money. He's not quite that dude anymore. Um, so Bad Boys 3 has a lot of pressure on his shoulders, set for 2020 release. Um, well, I, I'm hoping for good things for it, because I still think that Gabrielle Union, Will Smith, and Martin Lawrence together could make a good movie, but it has to be written correctly. It has to be appropriate. They have to acknowledge their ages. I don't know. You guys tell us what you want for a Bad Boy 3 movie and how do you think that that kind of thing will progress? All right, so by now you guys have definitely heard about how, <laughs> this is actually ridiculous to me, how um, the chilling tales of Sabrina are, they're getting sued by the Satanist Church. Now, the reason why I find this absolutely ridiculous is the reason for their suing. From my understanding, it's based on the fact that a copyright infringement situation where in Sabrina, in this new Netflix show, Sabrina, they have the dark art school where um, they have a depiction of, you know, their quote unquote God being. Now, I want to get this right. Um, I want to say the name correctly. So give me a moment while I try to get my mind wrapped around how to actually say it. The Beaufet? Beaufet? Beaufet, I think it is. But that depiction, and you know how recently as well in the news we've heard that um, the Satanic Church put up their, the statue of, you know, said quote-unquote God um, up in front of a... I forget where exactly it was, but of some... Um, place that it ended up apparently causing a whole uproar that really was ridiculous to me but not the point so apparently the satanic church they are now suing Sabrina and Netflix technically because they feel that they stole the image and put it in their show. Now, people are saying that this is actually ridiculous because if if it's a 
a depiction of a god why is it a problem if it's depicted in the same exact way in um in a show or a movie or whatever and i'm like yeah no you know if there's so many things you know crosses of jesus there's so many things of buddha there's so many things of krishna and and all the other hindu gods in movies and and shows where that religion is referenced so initially i was like okay what on earth are these people talking about like why are they getting mad over having a statue of their god that they want that they already have a statue of in a show so I was like, okay, these people are insane. Like, come on, let's get real here. But in my Christianness, I decided, you know what? Let me figure out what what's the real reasoning behind it. Because I find it ridiculous that this could even be the actual reasoning. So I did a little research and it turns out it's not just the simple aspect of this statue being copyrighted and now being in you know the show the real issue is that because this statue is in the show and it and it's supposed to um and we we already know that this is a representation of um, the satanic church and because the exact according wait let me get this correct not that it's the exact but it's ridiculously similar in a lot of ways to the statue that's been recently put up in front of a state house of some sort or state place that people had an issue with because and so that's where the real issue is because it's the exact one and because highly similar and this was the guy who had the statue created he was very particular about certain aspects of that statue and now this is in the show but it's not that it's just in the show it's that within the sabrina show it being there and the way sabrina and the dark world seem to be depicted is that Satanism is all about cannibalism and and um, all these other evil, terrible things that the that real Satanists are claiming is not even close to what their religion is about. They are well, not they. It's just one guy in particular right now, the guy who actually created the statue. He is on a whole thing of, you are misrepresenting my religion in this church, in in this show, and you've taken something that I took time to create, the statue that I took time to create. I I took a general image of, of our God and I added things to it that would make it the statue that was put up in real life very special and now you netflix have gone and taken this thing and put it into a show that has that gives a negative connotation to what my religion is and you know i get that because as a christian if that was the same 
if if I was in the same position where someone were to take the Jesus dying on the cross, you know, replica and make it seem even though I'm pretty sure there are lots of shows that I should do this, so I guess it's their time and their turn to realize that yeah, people will dog on your religion, but back to my point like of I get it. I would feel some sort of way as well. I have felt some sort of way in past situations where people have thought my religion was was something that it's actually not because it it, it hurts when, when when people take what you believe in so strongly and love and see pure joy in and and, and see goodness in and take that into something that it's never been. So we got a report the other day that um, Gladiator is set for a sequel. Now, yeah, I'm. I I, I, I paused as well. Like I, I I gotta let that I had to let that sink in, and I didn't really know if I wanted to talk about it over here or in a more in-depth sort of thing i think that i'm definitely going to do a retro review of it later but yeah gladiator getting a sequel now i love russell crowe i love ridley scott i trust ridley scott implicitly i think that he's a great filmmaker he makes a lot of great work he knows his stuff and he knows his story when he sees it now glad but gladiator but gladiator is that really the one you we, we wanted is that really what anybody wanted I, Far be it from me to criticize or or second guess Ridley Scott. As I said, he knows what he's doing. But Gladiator 2 was announced. I, I don't know if it's going to be called Gladiator 2, but it's going to follow Maximus's nephew. You know, that, that kid from the first one who succeeded... The, not, not Maximus's nephew, the, the Emperor's nephew. As he takes the throne and becomes Emperor, I guess. I, I'm confused. I, I, I don't really see where the story goes. Um, that particular story, like, is it going to be some sort of revolution that happens with slaves and Rome? I mean, look, the, the, the Roman world is rife with stories. There are so many stories that have not been presented that don't have anything to do with Julius Caesar or Alexander, or sorry, Augustus Caesar. There are lots of stories in that universe. In that world, uh, these people didn't rule the known world for 500 odd years or whatever that it was, just by accident. The, you know, there were a lot of stories there that are interesting, that are fascinating, that people want to hear more about. Obviously, I just don't know if Gladiator is the one. I I have a lot of questions, but I'm optimistic. And I'd like to find out how you guys feel about the idea of a Gladiator movie. I know that a Gladiator sequel. I just hope we don't see Russell Crowe. Like I, I don't want to. I don't want to have Russell Crowe any, in anything other than like a flashback, you know, to that time. I just don't want to see an, an old Russell Crowe in this movie. I, I, please do not do that. Just give us a flashback of Augustus. Maybe some old footage that was cut, scenes that were cut from the original. And that's the only way I want to see Russell Crowe appear in this movie. I don't want Russell Crowe in this movie, like in a real way. Although it, it would, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did some sort of 
thing where the emperor is like sleeping and sees Russell Crowe's Maximus appearing to him in a vision saying you must lead the gladiators out into freedom and give them the blah 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 I could I wouldn't be surprised to see some shit like that happen it is Hollywood after all but uh, you guys tell us what you think about that uh, gladiator news we want to hear your responses So today on the Retro Review, we are doing um, well, a movie that I, it's kind of near and dear to my heart, actually. Um, I, I've, I've wanted to do, to talk about this movie for a very long time. You know, I've, I've wanted to talk about it for a very long time, and it's one of my first picks for this one. So I figured, let me get it out of the way as soon as possible so I can get on to other things. Um, this is with a director, done by a director who is also very near and dear to my heart. He's, he's a major inspiration to me. He's the reason that, he's a large part of the reason that this culture was attractive to me. He's a large part of the reason that I, I wanted to do anything creative. You know, he's inspired not just myself, but he's inspired generations of aspiring geeks, geeks and aspiring geeks and aspiring geek contributors. Um, I am, of course, talking about the one, the only, the immortal, as we now know, since he suffered from his heart attack and survived the immortal Kevin Smith. That should be like a comic book, actually, the immortal Kevin Smith. That should be like a title that somebody holds um, in, uh, in Marvel. Like, you are the Kevin Smith. You hold the title of the Kevin Smith. Um, and the movie that we're reviewing today on the Retro Review that he did and is probably... I mean, I rate this as not his best work. Because I think that Clerks... I think most people would say Clerks was his singular epic. It was the movie that made him as good and he's never... I think he's been as good, but I don't think he's been as recognized for being as good as he was on Clerks. I think he was as good on Clerks as anything, but Chasing Amy is probably my favorite movie of his, even though I don't think it is technically as good as the other ones, as, as good as some of the other ones. I still, I've always thought More Rats deserves a little bit more respect than it ever got. But, uh, you know, today we're talking about Chasing Amy. The 1997 release classic, starring, of course, Batfleck, you know him as Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, and Joey Lauren Adams. I gotta say that, like, in, in doing some research for this movie, I found out a lot of things that I, I didn't, even, didn't even know that uh, I didn't even know. You know, um, I, I realized in retrospect that Kevin Smith has a hell of a body count here. Check this. This dude has directed Daredevil. He has directed Batman. He has directed Jason Bourne. He has directed Yondu. He has directed... He has directed Stan Lee. He has directed some... I mean... Who is that? The Green... Uh, he didn't even... Fuck it. 
you, you're getting my point here. He's directed some serious, real deal heavyweights. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks and um, Elizabeth Banks and uh, what's his name? Seth Rogen in Zack and Miri. He's directed. Uh, Seth Rogen did that movie, didn't he? Where, where he was a superhero and obviously, what's her name was Rita Repulsa in that Power Rangers movie. The terrible Power Rangers movie. But yeah, I mean, just look at that. He's directed superheroes and heroes of note. That's a hell of a body count, man. Well done, Kevin Smith. And you say, and he thinks he, and he's always self-effacing, you know, he's always like down on himself. But anyway, getting back to it. Look, the re- why is this movie considered a classic? Well, it's got an 88% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty damn good in this day and age. Um, it's, but funny enough, right, if I tell you the gross, you're going to be like, look, this is, that's not very much money. That's not a classic movie. How can you, that's not a classic. It made only twelve million, twenty-one thousand dollars at the box office. Like, yeah, twelve mil at the box office. That's that's like nothing in today's currency. Today, that's like that's what one cinema should be making, right? That's what you're gonna say. But its budget was two hundred fifty thousand dollars. This guy turned a quarter million into twelve. Now, any gambler will tell you that's incredible. That shouldn't, that's, that shouldn't be the case. We all know Studio Max works like this. If you, if you use X amount, you gotta produce X times two in order to break even. He did way more than that. That is, that is, that's a lot, what he did over there. You know, that's 48 times what the budget was. Success in any shape or form. Um, Okay, let's get into the plot. What is Chasing Amy about? I, I gotta say, I was talking about this funny enough at a party just before I did uh, the review. Just before I came over here and I watched it again for the third time this morning. But these, I was with some film students and they didn't even know what I was talking about. They know Kevin Smith, but they were like, isn't Kevin Smith that guy who did Zack and Mary? I was like, oh my God, Zack and Mary? That's what you know him for? Yikes. As long as it wasn't Tusk, right? But, uh, <laughs> look, Chasing Amy follows the story of Banky and Holden. Um, Banky and Holden are, of course, best friends. They, they've been best friends since school. And they have a comic book. Called, they have a comic book called Blunt Man and Chronic. Um, and... They meet fellow comic book jo- comic book uh, artist Alyssa Jones, who has a comic book of her own idiosyncratic routine, at a comic book convention in New York City, right? And Banky, you know, Banky is played by Jason Lee, and Holden is played by Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck develops feelings for um, Alyssa Jones, for Alyssa, in the movie, and. He can't act on these feelings when he find because he finds out soon, very soon, that she's a lesbian. Uh, but you know, he decides to you know just to try to explore this feeling and try to really just be friends with her. So they develop a friendship, but eventually it becomes too much to bear, and Holden bears his soul to Alyssa, and she eventually crumples and says, you know, she does have feelings for him. They develop a relationship. 
um, much to Banky, who's a bit of a homophobe, um, to Banky's chagrin. And, you know, they have, a, they have a relationship. It's weird at first, but like, yeah, no, it's, it's a real relationship. You know, they have real, friend, they have real feelings. And, um, but eventually, Banky, uh, because, you know, he's such a great guy, uh, he, 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 he finds evidence. He finds out from a friend of his, from a friend of theirs from high school, that Alyssa is actually way more sexual experienced than he is. In fact, in high school, she was known as finger cuffs because she uh, took it. She, well, well, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna describe exactly why she's called finger cuffs, but you know, a finger cuff is something that's um, that has holes in both sides, and you put you, you insert digits in both sides, so you know you can make your assumptions about what that was. They called her finger cuffs in these in, in high school. This starts tearing him and Alyssa apart because Bang Holden can't get past this. She's way more sexually experienced than he is, and it starts driving a wedge between them. He doesn't appreciate. Banky bring him this information because he feels like this jeopardizes his relationship with Alyssa but he also hates himself for it because he should obviously this had nothing to do with him this happened before him um, and what, what does that have to do with who she is today and so on he feel, but at the same time he also feels like she withheld something from him because she said she did tell him that he's never she's never been with a man before Holden comes to the conclusion that what they need to do is all of them have a threesome together and it will alleviate all issues that they have with one another. Banky agrees, I think rather smartly, while Alyssa says no, it's over between them. She can't do it. She knows where this goes and how it destroys people and relationships between people. And it will cause resentment. Uh, it, it might very well cause resentment. They break up. Everyone breaks up. They all go their separate ways eventually. Holden and Banky, their relationship sort of starts to crumple. They sit, Holden sells off his stake in Bluntman and Chronic. Um, and yeah, that's where the, that's where the story ends. It's, they all kind of come to some sort of conclusion. Holden even writes a book about, a comic book about their relationship. Called Chasing Amy, which is the title of the, of the movie, obviously. I think that's a pretty faithful uh, description of what happened in the movie. Why is this movie so good, though? Well, the thing about this movie is look, it, it, it explores rather futuristic, modern even by today's standards, rather modern ideas about sexuality and the communities that exist therein, about the subcultures within homosexual communities, in the geek community, um, within, um, amongst relationships between male friends, and how even amongst male friends, some relationships can have a slightly, from one point of view, slightly more homosexual relationship than you might actually recognize at the time it, it it uses these relationships and discusses them in a very modern very open very what feels very honest fashion which is typical of Kevin Smith to be honest he does have a rather open style of dialogue that almost feels ad-libbed even though it's scripted 
It feels like these are real conversations that happened that he just recorded and then transcribed them rather than he just sat in a dark room somewhere like I'm doing right now and write <laughs> and, and wrote down what happened. Um, there's some really great commentary here on, on the dynamic that exists between sex, love, and friendship. That sex and love They, they exist sort of outside of one another, but like they're not diametrically opposed. That you can love someone, loving someone sometimes means having to forgive what they did sexually without you. Um, that these two things can, can alienate one another. You know, that sex can alienate you sexually from the person that you love. It can make you feel alone. Uh, I can make you feel inadequate. And friendship as well. That like the person that you love might not actually be the person who loves you. Um, you could be in love with someone in a friendship. Not want to have sex with them though. Just in love with them. Not loving them, but actually in love with them. But not want to have an actual sexual relationship with that person. Um, it is, this movie is smart. It is funny. It is poignant in moments that is underscored by, by Smith's almost innate, innate, um, like like he. I don't even know if he knows it himself, but he has an understanding of Catholicism, of deep Catholicism, a real understanding of like the the, the subculture of Catholicism and the geek community, which he com he combines in it effortlessly. Uh, I think he, he was obviously well known to be raised Catholic and he has deep questions about it, but he knows the community. He knows who, what, what Catholics are like on, the, on their own. I think that he writes himself into characters all over this movie. Um, I think Holden and Banky are him. They are a relationship that he had has with another person. I'm not talking about Jason Mewes. I'm not talking about him, but you know, it could be that relationship. I don't know. He, he writes his relationships in there with, with other people, I think. Um, he writes his relationship with his wife or his girlfriend. He was, actually, he was dating jo Joey Lauren Adams, apparently, at the time. She was a bit of a muse for the character of Alyssa Jones. I think that this movie is... It's, it's a worthwhile watch. It is a, a thoroughly modern movie. Despite the fact that, like, there are, there are bits that you, you will look at and be like, why is... Why are they doing it that way? I think a millennial would look at it and be like, that's, that's, I wouldn't do it that way. It was not done that way today. Like there's a, like there's a whole bit in the train station where they're going to um, New Jersey Comic Con, I think it was. And um, Banky and Holden are going to New Jersey Comic Con. And Holden says he wants to get up and leave to call Alyssa. And he asks Banky for, for some coins, I think it was. And that would never happen today. You just pull out his cell phone and go call her. Where, and also Holden, sorry, Banky is, that Banky has all these pornos that he's taking to, you know, to uh, choke the chicken as it were later that night um, to these magazines and he wants a lot of variety. He has like tons of these magazines and he wants, cause he wants variety, right? 
And I'm like, that would never happen because now we'd have, you'd, you'd just carry a tablet that, and you wouldn't have to tell anybody. Because porn, you just go to Pornhub, right? There's, gonna, there's probably gonna be Wi-Fi in the hotel they're staying at and things like that. So that's, think, scenes like that are a little bit dated, but um, I think that if Kevin Smith was rewriting that scene today, if he quote unquote remastered this movie, he'd probably just say, look, I'm getting up. Holden would say, I'm just getting up. I'm gonna go call Alyssa. You know, he got a text message from her and he's going to now call her because he misses her. And he just leave to cold call her because it's, it's a crowded train station and that. Whereas Banky would be like, oh crap, I need to renew my, my I don't know, my browser subscription or something. And, he, and, he, and he'd be like, look man, like, I, I forgot my credit card, can I use yours? Uh, something along those lines, and that's how they bring up that relationship that Banky has to a wide variety of porn. It, it will be something along those lines. And so little things like that feel dated, but I think if you look at it from a perspective of, look, I'm just going to appreciate this scene for what it is. It, it's, it's absolutely fine at times. I think that there's a graininess to the camera, which speaks to the $250,000 budget that would not exist today, would not be acceptable to modern audiences. I think that there's there, there are a lot of minor technical issues with the movie that I don't think people today would be willing to get past necessarily. And it, it has a sort of TV movie sort of feel and a TV movie sort of quality level and from a technical point of view. But I still think that the story is compelling as hell. I think that Joy Lauren Adams, I cannot, I could not believe this was like her first movie. You know, I, that, that kind of shocks me. I think that she was a real find. She, her charisma, her innate charisma powers this movie, coupled with Jason Lee, who was, who was discovered uh, not discovered, but like he was discovered very recently around then. Um, he was obviously in More Rats, that was his first feature film. But Jason Lee was, Jason Lee and Joey Lauren Adams, their relation, they, they power this movie. This is not to say there's any slight on Ben Affleck, who is easily the most seasoned actor on the, of, of the cast. Uh, and you can, you can feel his, you can feel his quality. He anchors the movie very, very well. They all bounce off of his quality. And, but they were, Jason Lee and Joey Lauren Adams, they played characters who were not as straight, not as easy to define and figure out. So they were, they were more idiosyncratic. They, were, they had quirks. Whereas Banky, sorry, Holden, played by Ben Affleck, is far more orthodox. He is, he's there to anchor the movie. He's the main protagonist, but he's there. He reacts to everything that's going on around him and the plot twists and the plot changes and things like that. And he's a very normal sort of person. Whereas the other two are the humor. They are the, they are the, the heart. They are the, they are the, the twists and turns that make the movie continue as Holden tries to just navigate his way on the river that they are setting constantly digging him and turning him along the way okay let's get to scoring this movie look the retro score on this movie i would it, it, i believe that if i watched it at the time and i did it was actually the first movie i ever saw of kevin smith's i didn't i saw this before i saw uh, clerks and all the other ones if i was scoring it with 
back then, and I did, I gave this, I believe it was a 7 or 7, 7.5, maybe as high as 8 out of 10. It's in that zone. So I, I, I'm giving this a retro score of 7.5. It has, it has a timeless feel. And I think that it brings up questions and answers and discussion points that a modern audience would say, I love this. I love the shit out of this. I want to watch more of this. Why are they not making this movie today? Why is this movie, doesn't this movie exist? It feels in some ways transcendent of its of, of the time period that it was in and you will feel that Kevin Smith is talking about things that they are only now he's talking honestly about things that they that are still being lied about and talked about in dark corners today so I'm giving this a 7.5 rating um, and I br- brought it down simply because I thought the technical quality wasn't great I think some of the editing wasn't great I think that some of the uh, some some of the camera choice. I think that if they had an extra fifty thousand dollars, I think that the quality of camera and and uh, development of the film would have been a little bit better because it feels like it wasn't developed as well. It doesn't feel as though I feel like if they had another pass, if they had another month with in the editing room, some things would have been fleshed out a little bit more. Some scenes would have been trimmed out. Some things would have been more stuff would have happened. Uh, that's the retro score. The modern score for this movie, I'm dropping it by 0.5 simply because of those modern touches that weren't there. The technical things that would definitely not be acceptable today. Definitely not. What I was left with in feeling about this, in, 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 with my feelings about this movie was that Kevin Smith should make more of these kind of movies. I think that his career is one that is defined by love. There is a love story in every single movie that he makes, in this, the, the Viewerskew verse. Um, love dots and filters everything that he does. You can tell he loves the characters that he writes. You can tell that he loves the movies that he makes. You can tell that Kevin feels, wants the love of between characters to be really translated. There is no homophobia, there's no phobia about that love that exists in his movies and that's what makes his movies so special. I think that the cheap, sorry, let me not say cheap, but lower budget romantic comedy is something that Kevin Smith mastered before in a time when these kind of movies were, were done, a lot were done poorly. He is able to do at $250,000 what other people can't do with 10 times that budget, 100 times that budget sometimes. I look at I look at people like Adam Sandler who keep getting chance after chance after chance doing the worst kind of movies ever. And, and I'm just saying why somebody, Netflix, give Kevin Smith a three movie deal. Give him $50 million and say, three, make three movies for us, for our, for our Netflix universe that's center around your view askew verse, and I think that he would knock it out the fucking park. I think that he is a filmmaker of rare pedigree. I think that his self-deprecating nature belies a sort of mastery and of an artistry and a confidence. Well, let me not say confidence, because I think that this was one of the last times you, you felt a confident filmmaker making a movie that he really knew and was well-defined. 
I think that since then he's lacked the kind of confidence to make this this exact kind of movie. I think that he should get more work like this. He should be he should be thinking about making rom- more romantic comedy because I think that he knows love. He has a he has a unique perspective, a unique idea, and I would love to see him discovering new fresh young actors and telling his unique stories with an intersplicing of some of those older people and older characters like Jay and Silent Bob just making an appearance in these kind of things. I would I would watch the shit out of that on Netflix personally or any streaming service. So I say watch this movie. I'm willing to recommend this to anybody. If you are a f- aspiring filmmaker, go please go watch the first three or four Kevin Smith movies. They're worth your time. They're worth your money. They are they he will show you how to make a movie. Because this is how to make a goddamn movie. Kevin Smith, I applaud you. That, by the way, was the retro review of Chasing It's how your memory drowns whiskey Maybe it's the bar or the stool I'm on Maybe it's the band and the sad old song That keeps me buying rounds That keeps me turning down Any girl that wants to dance You ain't giving them a chance Whiskey's supposed to drown the memory I've gone from one to one too many And the thing that really gets me Is how your memory drowns a whiskey So, you like the show? Or maybe you don't. Maybe you want to ask us a question, or even better, give us an answer. We have so many questions. Well, you've got a few options to get that done. You can, of course, tweet us at Blurds United. You can DM us on Instagram. Um, that's also at Blurds United. Or you can chat to us directly on Facebook. Or go to our group there, join, please. We always welcome new members. Or if you're really feeling up to it, you could get the Anchor app and send us a voice note and you can get your voice on this show telling us whatever it is. Hell, if you ask a really good question, we might even call you in for an interview. How about that?